And if you really want to be successful in overall health and, and care, you have to be able to get involved in, in management styles and uh, management practices and either have a really good relationship with live operations such that you can influence the, you know, the progression or get involved in it directly. A whole new era of communication in the poultry industry is coming soon. The brightest minds of the global poultry industry will be right in your pocket. And what's best, you can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. The Poultry Podcast Show is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like DSM, helping customers with efficient and sustainable poultry production. At JBI, we apply biosecurity innovation and expertise to keep your operations safe. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. Adiseo provides nutritional solutions and services to help producers achieve their targets in high-quality, safe, and sustainable ways. And AB Vista. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast Show. I'm Karen Grogan, today's host. And uh, with me, I have a very esteemed colleague of ours, uh, Dr. Bruce Stewart-Brown. Bruce uh, works for Purdue Farms uh, here in the United States, where he holds the title of Senior Vice President of Technical Services and Innovation. Bruce has been with Purdue since 1998 um, in a role for technical support, so supporting nutritionists, veterinarians, um, all of their professionals that they have within their operation. And then he is also also responsible for technical innovation. Uh, Purdue Farms, um, it has completely eliminated the use of antibiotics, so we'll probably touch on that subject. And they've also are really making strides in terms of um, broiler welfare. Um, so we'll probably uh, chat about that today, Bruce. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. Excellent. Um, What I usually like to start with is because we do have people that are just entering their careers um, in the poultry industry or even students. How did you get to be senior vice president at Purdue Farms? Yeah, so um, I started, I, I, uh, this, this, I'd go back to vet school. I, I, I did a project as a sophomore in in vet school with some turkeys, with a turkey, physiology uh, experiment through the summer and got got talking with uh, different folks in the vet school about the opportunities in poultry and poultry veterinary medicine. And that seemed like the epitome of food animal to me. I knew I, knew I wanted to be a food animal. I was raised in a rural part of Illinois. My dad was a vet. It was a mixed practice, lots of pigs, lots of cattle. Uh, knew I wanted to do food animal if I could figure that out. I just didn't know which food animal. Got a BS in animal science, so I was kind of interested in the animal science piece as well as the veterinary medicine piece. And poultry kind of gave you a whole bunch of numbers. That was cool. You could study, you know, health beyond disease, beyond clinical disease. Uh, that seemed really important, and I thought poultry was uh, had a really strong future in the food animal area. I uh, was lucky enough then to get a few uh, experiences as a senior. I did my senior rotations in poultry um, 
projects uh, or in poultry uh, areas. I went to NC State and did their senior rotation. I went to University of Pennsylvania and did a little um, uh, stint in the diagnostic lab. Got out of vet school and I was determined to get a job in poultry if I could right out of vet school. I told many people, I'm not sure I would have ever hired a person like me. Uh, It's such a a big step to kind of go into poultry, but I I say I found somebody desperate enough, and and I was lucky to to start working in uh, Salisbury Laboratories in Charles City, Iowa. I went to Iowa State. This was right in Iowa. So um, started with uh, biologics, pharmaceutics, technical service job, did that for 12 years, uh, traveled around the world, worked with a lot of companies, and one of them was Purdue. I had spent some time with Purdue on some projects. and. And a clinical uh, veterinary job opened up on the eastern shore. I was lucky enough to get that and start as a field veterinarian. And then I uh, did did uh, the health services piece of uh, the eastern shore as well as the director position. And then food safety and quality wanted to try to move to a more holistic view of of food safety and quality and start to address some things on the live side. And so I went over to food safety and quality and I was VP of food safety and quality for 10, 10 years or so. And uh, then live operations uh, was a opportunity that I, uh, I, I, I had responsibility for food safety and quality and live operations. And um, that is kind of trying to take all these ideas about, healthy chickens make better chicken and kind of put them all together. And then uh, in the last few years, the, the, uh, we've, we've had technical services become a thing again. So it's veterinarians and nutritionists in the labs. And then working on innovation, which is the component of if you're going to have something to talk about in five years as it relates to the chickens we raise and the products we make, what, what will we talk about? And so uh, I've always done a little bit of that. You mentioned the No Antibiotics Ever project, the Animal Care project. All those are long-term things that we started working on years ago and kind of evolved them into um, things. And and there's more things like that. So that's a really long story to the... No, that's a good story. DSM strives to bring our customers efficient, sustainable poultry solutions. From essential vitamins like High D to next-generation products like Hyphorius for efficient phosphorus utilization and Biofix to counteract naturally occurring metabolites in feed. Our portfolio is growing as we continue to bring innovation to the poultry industry. Visit dsm.com ANH to learn more about our newest solutions. It's cold in Charles City, Iowa. It is. I hear uh, other people who, who went through Salisbury Labs. Um, that was their one thing. It's um, yep. in in terms of um, how many locations are you over at Purdue Farms? All the all the chicken. You know, the technical service group is responsible for the chickens and turkey uh, veterinary nutrition work uh, throughout the company. So let's say. 13 million chickens a week and about that same number of turkeys a year. Um, I do a little bit of work in pork and beef for, for some of the companies that Purdue has Nyman ranch, Coleman, natural, Coleman, natural foods, not, not 
anything in particular and some of those pieces are kind of move uh, like controlled atmosphere stunning pieces or meat quality discussions or antibiotic use discussions that kind of branch over the whole company we we get involved in that as well i think our listeners might be interested to know that in your time at purdue you've also done some tv appearances and some commercials right <laughs> i did uh there were several commercials. I don't even know how long ago this was, probably 10 years ago or something, where we were uh, using different people throughout the company. And, and uh, actually, they were kind of modeled after the Sam Adams commercials. If you remember those beer commercials with people, uh, people in the, the in, you know, that run the machinery and all that, speaking for the products, we did a little bit of that. And uh, yeah, so, and the other thing is I look a little bit like Jim Purdue. And and he he makes fun of that quite a bit, but uh, in in the I, I know we did a couple commercials where Jim was in them and and then he wasn't in them, and then they ask uh, consumers uh, was Jim in these commercials, and and basically they said all the commercials Jim's in there, whether he was or he wasn't. You know? Right. Well, it's a, a it's I think that that is um, you have definitely sort of. Um, pushed open doors for veterinarians within production, um, you, you and others in terms of moving into more production roles, not just necessarily in a veterinary health role. Um, what, what advice would you give to, to people that are looking at, at jobs that are, that are more um, production or, or management based? Well, you know, I think I, I feel strong about this. I, I think I've I've done more or I've had more ability to make a contribution to health in general through through the live operations components than I ever you know I did with with managing vaccination programs. Vac- you know, managing vaccination programs or um or uh, or feed formulation kind of ideas around health certainly are valuable but to you know, most everybody knows most of the things that go on are often triggered by a management practice of some sort. And if you can influence, and actually, I believe so strongly about this, if you are working on no antibiotics ever or different things, it will take you to, it will take you to animal care and animal management uh, kind of things so quickly. I mean, if you, uh, and if you really want to be successful in overall health and and care, you have to be able to get involved in in management styles and uh, management practices, and either have a really good relationship with live operations such that you can influence the you know the progression, or get involved in it directly. There are so many good jobs in 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 production for veterinarians, other than the typical health uh, field veterinarian kind of piece. And I hope, I hope veterinarians are those with other interests allow themselves to kind of explore that. Excellent advice. I think you should, you know, encourage, I I, I think veterinarians, not, we're not unique in this, but we are trained to be problem solvers. And I, I think that that can, you know, carry over. And exactly like you're saying, as you try to tackle one piece, they quickly carry over into so many um, other uh, parts. So you mentioned um, 
Purdue's uh, no antibiotics ever. Um, and this is a long, long standing initiative. Um, as, you know, I think the rest of the industry has, you know, pretty much fully followed suit. Um, what do you see as the next steps um, for our U.S. industry? I know that um, welfare uh, standards are, are definitely um, have been in place for a, a long time, and, and Purdue Farm is Purdue Farms is sort of a leader in that. Um, what, what do you see are the the next things we'll be talking about in five to ten years? Yeah, well, if I can start, I, I'd like to describe the progression a little bit. We we actually named uh, the the project uh, for moving to reducing and eliminating antibiotics in 2002. So that was 20 years ago that we we actually made it a thing, right? So we said this is we believe that consumers are concerned about this, and and it's really not. By the way it wasn't as much a public health uh, like antibiotic resistance piece that consumers were worried about. They were feeding back to us that they were concerned that we were raising animals in such a way that we needed to use antibiotics as much as we were. So it became, it quickly became, although we put the project around how do we, how do we stop using antibiotics so much? And by the way, our our program is really not no antibiotics ever. It's uh, treatment only. And so, so we raise animals. Uh, we start them without antibiotics. We, we, uh, we are not intending to use any, but if flocks get sick, we treat them. They just don't go into the label, no antibiotics ever. So we have a number of treated flocks uh, every year, which, by the way, is considerably, um, it's, it's less than 1% generally runs about in the half percent range. And there's ups and downs in that, as you might, uh, as you might expect, given on a particular year or situation. So anyhow, so no antibiotics ever started in 2002. And it became clear like 2008 and 2010 that, wait a second, for us to really kind of be successful here, we're going to have to evolve the way we raise chickens. And so then it became like, so what are, what are we saying there? What do you want to do as it relates to, to, to our management approach in order for us to be successful on, uh, on no antibiotics ever? What do we got to do to the feed? What do we got to do to the, the approach to sanitation in general and the breeders and the hatcheries and, and all the things that people talk about today and have learned? Uh, but the part that's really important is you can't raise chickens the same way. You're going to have to um, decide and figure out what the new method of uh, your approach to animal care is. And that became then an, another formal program around animal care. Uh, and, and it's really the kind of even sits higher than no antibiotics ever. It's a byproduct. No antibiotics ever becomes a byproduct of this bigger, bigger uh, program around how you care for chickens. Um, so it has evolved us as a company quite a bit, the, the um, piece in, in animal care. And I think it will continue to. In uh, the biggest part of the next several years, and this is a really important uh, thing for veterinarians and, and other folks to, to consider is, Yes, of course, uh, health's important, livability is important, feed conversion is important, uh, but do you care at all about 
a bill of animals uh, uh, putting the animal in a position to express normal or natural behaviors? That's the question. And that's a big question for the industry, because I would say the industry is generally weak in this subject of, of creating an environment for chickens to be chickens and how much you have to evolve the uh, management style if you decide you're going to embrace that part of raising animals. And that'll, that'll be a good conversation for everybody in the next several years. Do you care about it? And if you care about it, what are you going to do about it? In, in terms of um, innovative um, animal care standards that you have within Purdue, um, what are some of your, like, what are the innovations that you are, you think make the largest impact? Well, controlled atmosphere stunning is a very, in my mind, after seeing controlled atmosphere stunning, I went around the world to like five, this was about five years ago, we took a group around and asked the people that are, that are producing controlled atmosphere stunning systems to, sh where's your best system in the world? We'll go see it. And they all said, they all said, go here, go, this is, this is our cutting edge place. And it might've been, uh, well, they were almost all in Europe. So we went from one place to the other and visited the best systems they have. And after you look at them, you go, um, you go, wait a second. I think, I think this is a better way compared to electrical stun. Electrical stun gold standard is, is instantaneous. That part is really good, but there is a, the unloading piece is not is not even a question. It's a it's 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 the biggest uh, part that we as an industry have to take a look at and do something uh, perhaps different in. And that controlled atmosphere stunning allows you to relook at how you unload chickens from the live haul module to the plant piece. So. Control atmosphere stunning, I'm a believer. It's just expensive, and it's uh, something to work through. We've said as a company we're going to be 100% control atmosphere stunned. We just have to figure out how we'll migrate that uh, through that over the years. And do you have a, a year timeline for that? Yeah, we didn't say a time, and thankfully we, we haven't because, you know, COVID and some of the other kind of manufacturing problems have made liars out of a lot of people as it relates to a lot of things. And so anyhow, <laughs> we're migrant, we're going to, we have a, a plan to put a second system in uh, uh, starting here this summer and we'll just keep going. Our turkeys are all controlled atmosphere stones. The pigs are all atmosphere stone, control atmosphere stone. So we're working through chickens. Um, that's a big deal. I think density is a real important subject. Um, I'm not sure we as an industry have density right, especially if you incorporate the thought of um, looking at natural behaviors and uh, encouraging natural behaviors. So I think density has to be looked at almost every year because I think that the bird changes so much from one year to the next. And although you're using the same genetic package, uh, of course, it's not the same. So looking at density is like a career-long uh, a lifelong um, um, kind of challenge for the poultry industry and should be. Um, enrichments, I believe in enrichments, honestly, things in the chicken house to allow a chicken to climb or, or, or hide or 
or perch or rest above the ground. Um, enrichments, I, I've seen enough of them. One of the big things for us is when we, we bought Coleman a number of years ago, although I would have made fun, honestly, about some of the things associated with organic. Once we really got to see it in person, you, you end up going, you know, some of these things, we need to do this for all the chickens. This is such a kind of uh, um, obviously uh, a step forward in management style. And in this case, although uh, enrichments are not necessarily part of the organic standard, they were in all the organic houses. So enrichments is a really uh, interesting area. And honestly, I think there's real opportunities there. Um, but one of the thing about enrichments, I, I don't really talk so much about the um, about the animal certification pieces as much as I believe that a company should get interested in what, what where they want to take animal care, if it's within the uh, certification standard or if it's because they've learned this creates a this is a better thing for chickens. And some of those, honestly, for us have come from farmers going, look, if you, if you're, if you want to take animal care to another level in the company, why don't you look at this? Why don't you look at these things? And so, you know, getting feedback from farmers is a really big part of our program um, and uh, important for us as we kind of move through this in the next several years. Working with nature and not against it, Chickens Fed AX3 Digest consume significantly less feed and water to produce one pound of meat. Successful flock performance is determined during the first 10 days post-placement. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible novel protein that promotes improved in-barn performance, bird health, and a drier litter. For more information, visit www.protecta.com. I think that 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 really speaks to how our industry can can move forward is is you know a two way two way communication and and taking feedback from the people who are actually caring um, for the birds every day. Um, a lot of people think that it's a you know they're just told what to do. Um, so I think that that's a, a great piece that you know they're the ones that see the bird care every day and they're the ones you know carrying out the programs that we develop. So. Um, that's wonderful to hear that that's where you get the feedback from. Actually, I, I, I would say our program involves input from four different areas. Uh, one is science, for sure. There's a lot of science on, on welfare, and, and, and some of it translates and some of it doesn't. So there's the kind of academia piece. The, the second part is the farmer. Get the farmer to give you some feedback and some ideas. A third part is the consumer. Honestly, you can say you're going to go off to the side and decide how to raise chickens, but if the consumer finds it, uh, at least after you explain it to them and they still don't get it, I'm not sure you get, you got to figure that out because they're, they're the ones eating chicken, right? So you got to kind of somehow incorporate the consumer into your thoughts about animal care. And then I, I believe it's it's uh, important to ask advocates, animal rights, animal welfare advocates, uh, those that that are that believe in eating meat and chicken, but are concerned for the care of animals. We've decided we're gonna 
ask their opinion and incorporate that into our, our thought process. So all those groups, it takes some time and energy and and uh, you don't agree, you know, and you're not ag- going to agree on everything. But um, honestly, it's a it's important to get input from all those groups. Right. And, and I think you make a very clear distinction there in terms of con- groups that are still interested in preserving, you know, understanding that that protein is a, you know, a part of our diets and that that, you know, to raise it responsibly. And, and that's, you know, those are the people um, that I think, you know, yes, be a stakeholder at the table. Um, how do you address, uh, I think, sort of the other umbrella of groups where animal production should not exist? Um, and and they they seem to point out a lot of things that, that we may do in, in, you know, what comes to mind is like recent um, issues, even within our own profession on um, depopulation methods. Like, so they, they um you know, may, may point or go after, you know, certain thing, certain aspects of production where their goal is, is really just to, to stop everything. Um, how, how do you as, as Purdue farms engage with those people? Don't engage with those people. How do you deal with the, those groups? Well, we, we listen to the criticism and honestly, the biggest part of it all is to, is to listen to the criticism or, um, the thing that you're being criticized for and believe, and figure out if you think you're right, if if you have the right position. Because we've been criticized a few times in the past where our answer was, you know what, you're right. That's that's not that we're not proud of that. We got to fix that. And here's our plan to fix it. You know, so if we're if if uh, there'll be pr- cr- folks critical of a lot of different things. Uh, and the important part is for you as a company, for us as a company and you as a person to try to decide, you know, first of all, you're not always right. Uh, second of all, perhaps you haven't explained your position very well. Uh, and therefore you need to spend more time and energy kind of describing why you got to where you got to uh, maybe show people those that, that you trust. We do now, um, we do a tour somewhere in Purdue every other day for the most part. Somebody calls and says, I'd really like to see this. It might be, it might be students. It might be, uh, government officials. It might be folks that are, um, in the advocacy area. It might be, um, communities, um, of some sort, whatever. Um, and we go, you know what, we, Let's just go to a chicken house and and talk about it in and 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 we'll look at it together. And we try to do that honestly. We try to have uh, uh, many the folks at a very senior level do that so that they can get the feedback. And generally, what we do is write a post trip report so the rest of the company can can see it. Like um, this is the biggest thing that concerned these folks. After they before they saw it, here's the biggest. Here's what they saw, and did do they still feel uh, the same way afterwards? And so spend a lot of time. You know the trans transparency word is has become a little bit jargonish, in a sense. But the truth is, or there is some truth to, uh, if people want to see it, want to know about it, and are have the right intention, you know then uh, spend the energy to 
to do that because you'll learn something as well. Absolutely. I, I, I think I've, I've heard of several of those, those types of um, tours for either press or, or, you know, different advocacy groups. And at least the people that I've talked to that have experienced like most, and I think kind of what you're saying is the feedback, like most people's perceptions are, are, you know, shifted somewhere. I think most are pleasantly surprised because um, I think there's so much misconception of how things are, are raised either through labeling or, or, or commercials or, or different things. And, and people are so removed from agriculture and, and these types of things are key to improve in improving the misconceptions. I don't know if we can get rid of them, but. Well, you know, the, on the pre uh, pre visit um, um, questionnaire, the, the two things that almost always come up as the biggest concern is uh, I'm going to um, I'm, I'm really concerned about the smell. This is this is going to stink. It's going to stink. I can, yeah, this is going to stink. I can I can guarantee. It. And the uh, the second thing is I'm really worried that the 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 about the noise that's I'm sure that chickens will be agitated and that that the activity or uh, I don't want to get run. They don't say it. They don't say this, but it's right. in a sense, you could interpret it like I don't want to get run over in there. And those two things are really powerful because generally they go, wow, that I could stay in. And you, and you often do, you go, we, we go into the chicken house and you stay for an hour. You would have never guessed. They would have never guessed we were going to spend an hour in this chicken house and be that comfortable and uh, and talk about chicken for that long and so anyhow it's 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 really helpful for all of us to get the kind of take somebody who's never been in a chicken house in a chicken house and ask them before what they think they're going to see and then and see how see how it went and listen to the criticism by the way because it won't all be positive absolutely yeah maybe that would be good for all companies to um to start doing um in terms of um, sort of, uh, we were you we were talking about the breeds and genetics. Um, where where is Purdue and sort of their um, movement, or uh, in terms of like slow slower growing um, breeds? Do you have a certain percentage now, or um, where is that innovation headed for you guys? Well, we're we're interested to uh, think through all. Well, let's call them alternative breeds, breeds other than the kind of uh, commercial um, set of genetics that's currently being used. And there's a number of reasons for this. <clears throat> We're uh, growing chickens all the time. Now we have for about three years consist, uh, consistently and persistently looking at breeds outside the normal uh, ones. And there's several reasons for it. One, and I believe in this, one, one of the things is it makes you more chickeny to, to see these chickens. It, it, it's uh, the behavior is uh, quite different. It, you often go into those chicken houses or those kinds of uh, breeds and go and see some things that you that you aren't kind of that you start to wonder. I wonder if if I go look for this, is it still occurring in the chickens in the other uh, kind of current standard breed? And it makes you pay attention more to behavior. So that if if we didn't do it for any other reason, I believe that's a uh, that's a really good reason to see these birds. Um, the other part is to pay attention to meat quality. If to understand that some of these chickens, or to compare and contrast the meat coming from the alternative breeds 
uh, compared to the um, to the uh, kind of standard breeds. Understand if there's differences, are they good or bad? The texture on these birds tends to be a little more bitey. Not everybody likes that, but some people really like that. Uh, they tend to have less cook loss and higher uh, marinade absorption. So the meat in itself is quite interesting to kind of get some experience with. Uh, there tends to be this old chicken, chickeny kind of flavor. And that's more, I think, associated with the fact that when you harvest them at six, five and a half, six pounds, they're older. So they've had uh, kind of a longer life and, uh, and uh, the meat is more interesting to some, not to all. So, um, and they, then it's really important for us to understand the economics of those chickens so that we talk from experience. Yes, they have breast, less breast meat. Yes, their conversion's worse. Uh, do we really think they're higher welfare versus our kind of uh, uh, approach to raising the standard breeds? If so, in what areas? And can we fix those areas in the um, standard breeds by uh, a management adjustment or not? So we can speak with authority about what we think of these chickens. And, and of course, they have, uh, you know, some things to work through. Here's what I think, actually, in a nutshell, is I think ducks are interesting. I think turkeys are interesting. Uh, I think... Uh, I think pork and beef are interesting. This is another kind of animal. Why wouldn't you be kind of interested in it? As a replacement, that's another subject. But as a distinct kind of animal that deserves or kind of is interesting from a, a food perspective and, a, and a, just a general um, husbandry, uh, if you're interested in animals, why wouldn't you be interested in these, you know, kind of thing. So get get... Let's get comfortable with them. Let's understand them. Let's see where, you know, if that's a product that people are interested in and, and we can grow them. That'd be good. Right. What your your in terms of your work with them, how many weeks are you are are you seeing with these in terms of getting to like a five and a half, six pound bird? They generally take two weeks longer, maybe three weeks longer sometimes. And uh, <clears throat> yeah. So there they there's all kinds of of different uh, speeds in, in these different breeds, the more we look at them. If you did a heritage kind of breed, it might take you, you know, twice as long. <laughs> but generally, uh, you know, you can get, um, let's say, six instead of six weeks for kind of a six-pound bird or in that kind of range or five-and-a-half-pound bird, it's going to take you a, a couple more weeks. Okay. And, and in terms of... Um... When when we see uh, sometimes in terms of trends and, and welfare trends, we see Europe being you know several years ahead of, of where we are in the in the United States. Where are things shifting in that that realm in terms of um, either you know breeds enrichment, sliding welfare? Um, where are things headed there, and and sort of what's your crystal ball of you know what could you know, head this way. I think atmospheric stunning was a great example you gave earlier in terms of going there to see how it works really well and, and bringing the technology back here. What do you think's the next um, thing that we could see come over? I think I think these breeds will be available and some and are kind of currently available to a certain degree. 
So, you know, Gap, uh, Gap and, and Whole Foods has, has said that they're going to uh, migrate towards the breed at some point here in the next few years. So that's a done, as far as I can tell, that's a done deal. So good. Uh, we'll see, you know, but in, in, in the United States, the consumer, the consumer decides how fast a thing will go. If they value it from, uh, from a meat quality perspective or from a, from a, uh, animal care perspective, they'll, they'll buy it. It's going to be more expensive. It's, it is what it is. I, I'm actually okay with all that, uh, kind of thing. And if consumers value it, <clears throat> we can grow more. Uh, having said that, it won't be it won't be for everybody, surely, uh, and and probably. But the consuming public will decide way way faster than any kind of law or uh, component associated with that. And I think that's a that's a really strong part of our um, our 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 opportunity here is to provide consumers with good information uh, in, in a variation of product and let, and, and let them decide. Let them choose. They, I, I think compared to a lot of, um, you know, the rest of the world, the, the American grocery store does have a lot of choice in terms of, you know, types of, of, of production and commodities and, and everything. We, we definitely are, um, unique in that, that situation. I think that we have um, really taken a dive into some of your innovation at, at Purdue. Um, if you have advice um, for uh, new professionals um, in poultry, what would be one piece of advice that you could give them? Well, the industry or this industry needs and values and um, appreciates and we need more of uh, enthusiasm and kind of um, and taking get getting so into the subject beyond what yes do your job whatever your job is uh, do that and do it do it well uh, understand that job knock it out and and figure out some things in that to take it to another level if here's your job description I get it knock that out. Uh, find some pieces of that that you can take to an, uh, uh, become so kind of crazy passionate about it because you believe it and because it's valuable to the chicken and because it's valuable to your company. Get into it beyond just knocking out your um, your job. You know, hopefully you can find something like that. If it's I, you know, if it's in a particular area in the hatchery or in the feed mill or in the processing plant or something, find something to take to a new level. Be, leave a leave a legacy of sorts about something, and hopefully there's there's enough things to be enthusiastic about. You can you can find that. Yes, do your job, and then find something to add. to 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 make a mark of some sort. And sometimes you. You'll you'll think you did, and other people won't think you did, and that's okay too. And sometimes you think I did I didn't do much here, and people go, "Wow, that that that's a big deal." So you don't always get it right, um, and 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 get feedback from others, you know, about ask a lot of questions and and get enthusiastic about it. That's a big deal. 
find something you care about. That's good advice. I, I agree. Like it, you can set yourself apart if you become, you know, a, a specialist. Like, you know, I always say people will call. Well, do you know somebody good at this, or do you know somebody you know great at that? I need a good hatchery, you know, person. It it definitely helps to distinguish yourself uh, for having a skill set that is um, unique. Um, well, Bruce, we appreciate your time today. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Poultry Podcast Show. And we will see you the next time. 